Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on the East Coast and the Central Region of the United States. And on the West Coast, uh, it's going to get ready to be afternoon, and around the world to the two billion people or more that possibly could be listening to me. I know that would take a miracle of God or Yah, but uh, that's my reach. Well, my name is Kennard, and I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God biblical instructional program today will be an interesting program at least i hope all of my programs are interesting this will be about how we can watch and pray properly the reason why i believe god is leading me to do this bible study uh, i just heard recently that one group thinking that the tribulation the great tribulation will begin march 22nd uh, there was another group thinking that it may begin around that time as well. And, <sighs> folks, I've been studying Bible prophecy since I was 19 years old. Um, I'm, how old am I? I'm 46. I'll be 47 years old this year. And every time someone has predicted a date, they have been 100% wrong. So, the, def- the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and seeking the same results when the results don't come up the way you think, right? Well, <laughs> let's stop the insanity. Let's look at the scriptures, see what the scriptures reveal about our attitude about prophecy, and let's follow that instead of hoping that someone is right about a particular date. That should not be the focus on prophecy. Sure, we have the spirit of prophecy, as Revelation 19 says. In other words, we, those who believe in the Messiah, Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, have the ability to understand prophecy. Let's look at that, that, uh, that scripture in Revelation chapter 19. 
in Revelation 19, verse 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and reading this in the old King James Version, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant. Uh, what? Let me explain the context. John was kneeling down to a, an angel, and the angel tried to explain to him, Hey, you know, I'm not Elohim, don't, or God, I'm not, <laughs> don't kneel down to me. He says, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Colon, let's continue. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, having the mind of prophecy, being able to understand prophecy. Uh, we should seek daily to understand prophecy. There's really nothing wrong with that. What, in my, how many years? It's been a long time, 47 minus 19, um, 20, 28 years of studying the Bible studying the book of Revelation, studying the book of Daniel, studying the entire Bible. In reference to prophecy, it's just been a bunch of fanaticism and actually I would have to disadmit stupidity about the whole thing. And and it has to stop, and it will stop. It's prophesied to stop. It's prophesied that people will be focusing more. I mean, the, the true people of God anyway will be focusing more on what Christ focused on. We're going to get into that today as well, but... I'm going to quote another scripture here in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Read this in the King James. Now, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the Torah, happy is he. Now, this is a, a good foundational scripture that we're going to build on today. If we look up the word vision in the original Hebrew, it means kazon. It means sight, revelation. That's what it means. All right? So if we don't have any sight, a revelation, the people perish. Okay? But but he that keepeth the law, that, that word law is, it should be translated Torah, it means the Decalogue, the Pentateuch, or the instructions and, and doctrines of Elohim or God. So we have to to recognize that revelation whether it's prophetic revelation or revelation to help us live, is very important. But that's not the only thing that we should focus on. And we need to understand is that we, if we don't seek to... Actually, I'm looking this word up in the Word Study Dictionary. It says a masculine noun meaning a revelation by means of a vision, an oracle, or divine communication. The primary essence of the word is not so much the vision of a dream itself as the message conveyed. It signifies a direct, specific communication between God and people through the prophetic office. Okay, so this is this word is correctly translated or more accurately translated with the complete Jewish Bible by Mr. David Stern, which I recommend you get if you don't have it, the complete Jewish Bible by David Stern. It is a paraphrased Bible, meaning that it's not a word from word translation of the original language. However, David Stern's and many of the uh scriptures he does paraphrase it correctly and some some that he doesn't but in most cases uh i would say that he does uh i would use the, the king james version with a strong concordance to verify his translation but it's a pretty good translation in particular if you want the hebraic or jewish understanding of the scriptures but anyway proverbs 29 verse 18 without a prophetic vision the people throw off restraint the he who keeps Torah is happy. So what I want you to notice in this one scripture is that prophecy is important. Prophecy should help 
motivate us to want to obey the Torah because why does it say, but he who keeps Torah is happy? So you have to also keep the Torah as well. You just can't just focus so much on prophecy that you forget about the summation of the Torah. What's the summation of the Torah? What did Christ say? The two greatest commandments. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we have to learn how to do. That's the summation of Torah. The rest of the details. The entire Bible is the details of how to keep the Torah. The instructions and doctrines of Elohim. So we have to focus on that too. It must be a balance, ladies and gentlemen. You can't be so much into giving to the poor that you forget about the prophetic scriptures. On the other hand, you, you can't be so focused on the prophetic scriptures that you forget about giving to the poor. You have to, it has to be a balance. It has to be a balance. And if there's not a balance, then your understanding of the scriptures will be balanced. And then you will, whether you mean it or not, deceive other people in your teachings if you're, if you're a Torah teacher. All right, so I hope that this Bible study will help other Torah teachers who are focused so much on prophecy and, and, and throwing off their flock all over the place to to buy things and, and to quit their jobs and so forth. Folks, we're going to know. I'm going to hopefully give you some clear signs today. Um, and I uh, usually have a 60, I think I'm going to have a 90-minute program because it looks like I just go 90 minutes anyway, but I'm going to try to get all this information that you need to hear um, from the scriptures so that you can relax here and stop being paranoid about the end times. Uh, Yeshua told us not to be paranoid about what we're seeing right now, which is the beginning of sorrows. These things are going to happen, and you should not get all upset or overly nervous. About, you shouldn't get nervous at all, but overly concerned about these things. All right, And too many people are getting concerned about to too concerned about these things. And you're causing unnecessary tension for yourself and other people. And as a servant of God, I must speak out, as Isaiah chapter 58 tells me and any other Torah teacher to do. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Beginning in verse 1. Shout out loud. I'm reading this in complete Jewish Bible version. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a shofar or trumpet. Proclaim to my people what rebels they are. To the house of Yaakov or Jacob, their sins. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more today, but we are the house of Jacob, folks. Jacob had 12 tribes, and if you even read in the basic history book, uh, their historians recognize that the northern kingdom of Israel, which was separated because of Solomon's uh, sins and, and God's will, uh, originally there was the house of Israel, but the house of Israel got divided into two, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Well, the northern kingdom were taken over by Isaiah in 721 B.C. And historians correctly recognize that they have been lost ever since. Now, some people incorrectly teaching that those tribes uh, came back during the, the time that Cyrus announced to go rebuild the temple, and then Ezra and Nehemiah uh, led the people uh, toward building the temple back in 586 B.C. or seven years after 586 B.C. 
when they went back to Jerusalem, uh, a few of those tribes came back. The rest of them got scattered around the world, and in particular, they scattered to the British Isles, scattered to Canada, the United States, Australia, South Africa, the countries of Northwestern Europe. I know this may sound far-fetched to those who are listening to me for the first time, but nonetheless, it is true. It's one of the signs of the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah, as I'm going to prove to you today. Uh, and you need to, to understand who the tribes are today. Because if you don't, you're not going to fully understand prophecy. So what I implore you to do is go to www.beasinboyritam.org. That's beasinboyritam.org. Yer Davidi lives in the old city of Jerusalem has written an excellent book called The Tribes, The Israelite Oranges of Western Peoples. I suggest that you either pick up a copy. He has, I have the third edition, you can get the fourth edition, or you could, he has plenty of information on that website to prove, without a doubt, who the tribes of Israel are, and to prove also that the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations are the leader of those tribes, as far as um, the economic prosperity and so forth. So anyway... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I must speak out, and the reason why in verse 2 says, Oh, yes, they seek me day after day and claim to delight in knowing my ways, as if they were an upright nation that had not abandoned the rulings of their God. They asked me for just rulings and claim to take pleasure and closeness to God. So he knows the monkey business here that's going on in the United States with our current administration, with the gay agenda, which... Um, I'm going to read a shocking um, uh, headline to you today, an article today on world on uh, watch.org, www.watch.org. If you want to go there with me, you can. But anyway, I'm reading, uh, North Korea warns U.S. forces of destruction ahead of American war drills with South Korea. Again, this falls in line with what Yeshua said, which is the time period of the beginning of sorrows, that there will be wars and rumors of wars. All right, and this is it says Iran announces uranium discovery days before nuclear talks. So here we go again in Iran, and they're trying to push to the nuclear bomb situation. Now this is what this is the headline I want to get to. As in the days of Noah and Lot, Second Peter chapter six verse ten, Obama urges Supreme Court to strike down Federal Defense of Marriage Act. I repeat. This is a very important development, folks. So let me quote this to you again. As in the days of Noah and Lot, 2 Peter chapter 6, verse 10, Obama urges Supreme Court to strike down Federal Defense of Marriage Act. For those who have their head in the sand, let me help you get, it, get your head out of the sand. What the Defense of Marriage Act is, is uh, uh, a rule a legislation that was passed by Clinton back in the 1990s that states that uh, a marriage is between a man and a woman. So let me just read this. The Obama administration is asking the Supreme Court to strike down the federal law defining marriage as a union between only a man and a woman. A request regarding the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act was made Friday in a brief by General uh, Dallin, uh, General. Donald, I'm sorry, General Donald Verrilli, 
that argues the law is unconstitutional because it violates the fundamental guarantee of equal protection, which is totally ridiculous and illogical. Anyway, the high court is set to hear two cases next month. Let me repeat, folks. The high court of this land is set to hear two cases next month on the issue. Next month is March. The constitutional challenge on Proposition 8, the 2008 California law that allows same-sex marriages in the state that two years later was overturned, and United States versus Windsor, which challenges the Defense of Marriage Act. So next year, folks, begins the monkey business. All right? So uh, you need to pay attention to this. You need to pay attention to this because... Let's turn to Second Peter, and then we're going to turn to to uh, Luke chapter seventeen. But Second Peter, Second Peter, All right, so Second Peter chapter 2. Let me read this in an easier version to understand here. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. In the past there were false prophets among God's people. It is the same now, and this is a prophecy. It's the same today, too, based on the prophecy, the Olivet prophecies in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Mark chapter 13, and Luke 21, which, by the way, you should be paying uh, attention to. That's really the foundation of prophecy I've found if you just... Pay attention to what the greatest prophet of all time told you as far as the summary of prophecy. You won't get tripped up on making these ridiculous predictions. But anyway, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, In the past there were false prophets among God's people. It is the same now. You will have some false teachers in your group. This is prophesied, dear Kurt. They will teach things that are wrong, ideas that will cause people to be lost. And they will teach in a way that will be hard for you to see that they are wrong. Let me repeat that. They will teach in a way that will be hard for you to see that they are wrong. It's going to be so convincing. It's going to be just, oh, this is so tremendous revelation. Remember, how can you be deceived unless it appears to be right? So, of course, they will teach in a way that will be hard for you to see that they are wrong. They will even refuse to follow the master who brought their freedom, and so they will quickly destroy themselves. Verse 2, many people will follow them. Many people, not the few, the many people will follow them in the morally wrong things they do. And because of them, others will say bad things about the way of truth we follow. Folks like me who do the best they can to try to preach the truth out of the scriptures. Verse 3, these false teachers only want your money. I was talking to somebody about this the other night. Anyway, these false teachers only want your money, so they will use you by telling you things that are not true. Second Peter 2, verse 3. Now, this is in the, the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, as you're going to see here in a minute. These false teachers only want your money, so they will use you by telling you things that are not true. But the judgment against these false teachers has been ready for a long time, and they will not escape God who will destroy them. That's a warning for any Torah teacher. And I feel that these folks are probably doing this 
sincerely, but they're sincerely wrong. But if any Torah teacher is maliciously, and they know what they're doing, and they just want money, and they're teaching false doctrine just to get money, you are in danger of hellfire, okay? It says, but the judgment against these false teachers has been ready for a long time, and they will not escape God who will destroy them. So that's a warning against any Torah teacher who is purposely, not mistakenly, but purposely teaching false doctrine just to get money. I've warned you through the words of God. Verse 4, when angels sinned, God did not let them go free without punishment. So he's using the angels that sinned that made it with women, despite what people think. That's what happened, as in Genesis chapter 6. Study it and read it. He then sent them to hell, or a spiritual realm, okay, of, uh, it's kind of like a spiritual jail for angels. He put those angels in caves of darkness where they are being held until the time when God will judge them. So they are held in a special dimension right now that we don't understand, all right? Verse 5, and God punished the evil people who lived long ago. He brought a flood to the world that was full of people who were against God. But he saved Noah and seven other people with him. Noah was a man who told people about living right. Verse 6. God also punished the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He burned them until there was nothing left but ashes. He used those cities as an example of what will happen to people who are against God. Let me read that so you'll understand that very clearly. Verse 6, God also punished the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He burned them until there was nothing left but ashes. He used those cities as an example of what will happen to people who are against God. Verse 7, but he saved Lot, a good man, who lived there. Lot was greatly troubled by the morally bad lives of those evil people. And if you have any righteousness in you, you should be greatly troubled by what's going on in this country and around the world when it comes to the sins of Sodom, which homosexuality is one of them. Verse 8. This good man lived with those evil people every day. And his good heart was hurt by the evil things he saw and heard. If you are not hurt by all the evil that you see and hear in this world, you are not close to God, folks. If any of you are not grieved by what you see and your heart is not hurt by the evil things that you see and hear every day in the news and around the world. Verse 9, so you see that the Lord God knows how to save those who are devoted to him. He will save them when troubles come. Do you believe that? Folks that are too busy worrying about how much food you have and how many guns you have and, and all that. Do you believe that God will save you when trouble comes? That's the question. Remember, the just shall live by trust or faith, not by sight. And the Lord will hold evil people to punish them on the day of judgment, verse 10. 
That punishment is for those who are always doing the evil that their sinful selves want to do. It is for those who hate the Lord's authority. These false teachers do whatever they want, and they are so proud of themselves. They're arrogant. They don't want to be corrected. If someone can show me what I'm saying now is wrong, hey, I'm open for correction. But you have to show me out the scriptures, not out of your own mind. They were not afraid even to say bad things against the glorious ones. It says the angels are much stronger and more powerful than these beings, but even the angels don't accuse them and say bad things about them to the Lord. But these false teachers speak evil against what they don't understand. They are like animals that do things without really thinking, like wild animals that are born to be caught and killed. And like wild animals, they will be destroyed. They have made many people suffer, people having to give up uh, their jobs and all that, and Harold Camping with his ridiculous predictions about uh, the end of the world, and those poor people gave all their money. They gave all, everything, everything. In verse 13 of Second Peter chapter 2, they have made many people suffer. So they themselves will suffer. And that's a warning to you. Like I told you, any Torah teacher that maliciously know that they are teaching incorrectly and deceiving the people on purpose just to make money. This is their pay for what they have done. <laughs> so he's saying, hey, you're going to get pay all right, but you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. That's going to be your compensation. They think it is fun to do evil where everyone can see them. They enjoy the evil things that please them, so they are like dirty spots and stains among you. They bring shame to you in the meals you eat together. So anyway, I'm not going to go on with this. The point of the matter is that all these things are in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? And then when we look at Luke, well, I'm going to get to that um, yeah, later on today. As uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that later on, Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 33. But anyway, we see the country is moving toward uh, what happened in Genesis chapter 19. We're going to go over that later on today, too. But um, let me see how much time I have left. I want to make sure that I get everything. Yeah, okay, I have plenty of time here, about an hour. All right, so let me get to um, the major thrust of this Bible study, how to watch and pray. So let's let's turn to Luke chapter 21 starting in verse 34. Reading this in the easy-to-read version of the Bible. It's <laughs> uh, verse 34. It says, Be careful not to spend your time having parties and getting drunk or worrying about this life. All right, let's just stop here. All right, let's analyze what has just been said here. It says, Be careful not to spend your time having parties so our focus should not be on entertainment and getting drunk or worrying about this life. You shouldn't be worrying about this life. Worrying is a sin. Worrying is having too much concern about your life. And he says right here, if you do that, you won't be able to think straight. And I know you want to be able to think straight if you're fooling around having parties and and, and getting drunk and, and worrying about this life, 
It says if you do that, you won't be able to think straight. And the end might come when you are not ready. The focus is on being ready so that when the end has come, you won't be destroyed. That should be the focus. Not trying to figure out the date of the Messiah's coming, and you're focusing so much on that that you're not ready when he comes. It doesn't make any sense. Verse 35, it will come as a surprise to everyone on the earth. That's what he said. It will come as a surprise to everyone on the earth, which alludes to that the fact that we won't know the hour of his coming. It's possible to know the day once certain events happen, but we won't know the hour. So this is true when he says it will come as a surprise to everyone on the earth. Verse 36, so be ready all the time. We should be ready all the time. We shouldn't have to wait for a specific uh, guru of prophecy to tell us March 22nd is the time when the Great Tribulation begins. Oh, it's time to get ready now. No, we should be ready all the time. We should be proactive, not reactive. Reactive is, oh, something happened. Oh, nuclear bomb. Oh, it's time to pray. Oh, it's time to get close to God. No, we should be proactive. We should be ready all the time. In Luke 21, verse 36. So be ready all the time. Pray that you will be able to get through all these things that will happen and stand safe before the Son of Man. And in the King James Version states in Luke, I'm just reading this for clarity so you can really understand it because I've read the Bible for a long time, now 28 years, and I understand the King James Version and all that. But anyway, watch ye therefore and pray always. Pray always. Pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Many people read this and they eisegesis this, put their own thoughts into the Scripture, and say, well, that means I'm guaranteed to be protected physically. If I just watch and pray, <laughs> well, that's not what it's saying, folks, okay? And Isaiah, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1. This is a scripture that a lot of people don't like, but I don't care what you don't like, okay? This scripture plainly states this. The righteous perish, the righteous perish, and no man lays it to heart. And merciful men are taken away. None consider that the righteous is taken away from evil. And that's a prophecy. I just stated that, that a lot of people, they, they don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to consider that. Wait a minute. Maybe I'll die, and that's the way I'll be able to escape all this mess. You know, they don't want to consider that. They just focus too much on their physical life. And that's not what it's all about, your physical life. Okay? Verse 2. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, walking in uprightness. That's interesting. That's an interesting Bible study in itself. But anyway, getting back to the first verse. Getting back to the verse first. The first verse, rather. And I'm reading this in complete Jewish Bible version. A righteous person perishes, and nobody gives it a thought. Godly men are taken away. And no one understands that the righteous person is taken away from the evil yet to come. Hardly anyone understands that. That's a prophecy. Verse 2, yes, those who live uprightly will have peace as they rest on their couches. Okay? 
So what is the easy to read version? What does it say here? Isaiah 57 verse 1. All the good people are gone and no one even noticed. The loyal followers were gathered up, but no one knows why. The reason they were gathered up is that trouble is coming. So, folks, that's another way that we can be worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. We're going to stand for those who are righteous, who are taken out of the way, mercifully allowed to die and avoid the great tribulation, are those who, when they're resurrected, will stand at the feet of the Messiah. So I have to throw that truth in there, folks. Your focus should be your eternal life, not your physical life. Please, Burn this within your brain and stop being misled by all these false prophets that Yeshua told you would come. And he said there would be many of them. Whether they're sincerely doing it or not, they're still falsely prophesying. And as a servant of God, I must reveal this to you. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Starting with verse 15, reading this again in the easy-to-read version of the Bible. Don't love this evil world or the things in it. That doesn't mean that you don't love people. You're supposed to love your enemies. What it's saying is the, the focus is on the society, what society has said that is right or wrong and is not backed up by the Bible. You shouldn't love the evilness of society. Not the people, but the evilness of society. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. I'm just reading it. It's a tool that he's using to, to read the Bible to you to help you to understand. Verse 16. This is all there is in the world. Wanting to please our sinful selves. Wanting the sinful things we see and being too proud of what we have. Okay, this is all that's in the world, wanting to please our sinful selves, wanting the sinful things we see, and being too proud of what we have. But none of this comes from the Father. They come from the world. Verse 17, the world is passing away, and all the things that people want in the world are passing away. But whoever does what God wants will live forever. Okay, If you want to live forever, then do what God wants. And what he wants, folks, is for you to start obeying him. That's what your focus should be on. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. It will be bad for you teachers of the law... And you Pharisees, you are hypocrites. You give God a tenth of the food you get, even your mint, dill, and cumin. Still reading this in the easy-to-read version. But you don't obey the really important teachings of the law. Being fair, showing mercy, and being faithful. Being fair, showing mercy, and being faithful. These are the things you should do. And you should also continue to do the other things. So the focus should be on justice, mercy, and trust. The weightier matters of the law. These are the things you should be attended to. 
first. That's the that's the weightier matters. It doesn't say prophecy. Show me in the Bible where it says prophecy is a weightier matter of the law. It doesn't say that. The weightier matters of the Torah is justice, mercy, and trust. And I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, in my 28 years of this journey toward getting undeceived and getting closer to, to God, I don't see very much of this. I don't see the focus on justice, on mercy, and trust. I don't see it at all. I really hardly see it. I see it among a few people. I see it among a few people, but I don't see it among that many people. I really, 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 truly don't. And and it's, it's unfortunate. And even our Lord and Savior prophesied, in Luke 18, verse 8, he says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. Let me repeat this again. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find trust on the earth. He's prophesying, the greatest prophet who ever lived, is prophesying that most people on this earth are going to have a faith problem. They're not going to believe. And that's, you know, it's not shocking because when you think about Old Testament times, the our ancestors in the wilderness, they saw all kinds of miracles. The the, the Red Sea parting, all kinds of other, the, the miracle of the manna and so forth. And they still, they still didn't believe. They did not believe that there is a God that loves them and wants them to just obey him so that everything will go well with them. And that problem will be prophesied to occur in the end time. But the good news that is Revelation chapter 7 reveals many nations of all different languages and so forth are going to repent finally. But we are so stubborn as a human race. Israel is more stubborn. <laughs> but it's just that we just don't seem to understand that there is a great being that created us. We're not greater than this being. We can't outthink this being. He has us all figured out. We have to learn how to figure him out. We don't teach him. He teaches us. And I think, matter of fact, I know that pride attitude that came from the devil himself. We want to teach God. We want to have God sit down and say, hey, wait a minute, God. Hey, you know, I know you created me, but, you know, there's some things that you did wrong. Uh, let me tell you. No, no, it doesn't work that way, folks. That's, you're on the verge of insanity talking like that or thinking like that, if you are thinking like that. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 12. Therefore, I'm reading this in the King James, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So the Torah and the prophets is all summed up. And whatever you would want men to do to you, you also do to them. 
That's the summation of the Torah. Everything else is detail or instructions on how to do that. Verse 13, enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go therein. So you have the red words of Christ here in the King James Version stating the fact that many people go into that way that leads into destruction in this life. Okay? That's what it says plainly. Verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads into life, and few there be that find it in this life. It doesn't mean that once the tribulation starts and all these people finally repent, that there won't be many people going through that narrow gate. But right now, in this life, before the real trouble begins, very few people will be going through that narrow gate. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Let me read this in the easy-to-read version here. It says, um, Be careful of false prophets. They come to you and look gentle like sheep, but they are really dangerous like wolves. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 17 in the easy-to-read version. You will know these people because of what they do. Good things don't come from people who are bad, just as grapes don't come from thorn bushes and figs don't come from thorny weeds. In the same way, every good tree has got to celebrate to Bishva, which is, symbolizes a tree, a human being being a tree. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. And bad trees produce bad fruits. A good tree cannot produce bad fruits. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So what is this all about? This is about us, our behavior, okay, how we treat one another. That's what this is talking about. Verse 19, every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So this is telling you right here, your own scriptures are telling you here, that uh, those trees that don't produce good fruit is going to be thrown in the fire and burnt up. Verse 20. You will know these false people by what they do. Not what they say, what they do. Verse 21. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter God's kingdom. The only people who will enter are those who do what my Father in heaven wants. Let me read that to you again, folks. If you want to know how to get in the kingdom. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter God's kingdom. The only people who will enter are those who do what my Father in heaven wants. And... Yeshua stated plainly in, in John chapter 15, verse 10, he kept his Father's commandments, and he told us to follow his example. So we better keep the Father's commandments as well. Verse 22, on that day, on that last day, many will call me Lord. They will say, Lord, Lord, by the power of your name we spoke for God, and by your name we forced out demons and did many miracles. And verse 23, then I will tell those people clearly, get away from me. Get away from me. You people who do wrong, I never knew you. And this is the easy-to-read version, and I am fully aware it's a paraphrased version. So I'm going to go back to this other version so you can get the clear understanding of what it's saying here. Um, because it just tore to death the following <laughs> sentence here. 
Matthew 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Okay? And that word prophecy, prophesy, in the original Greek, means to foretell. So they just totally, and that's the thing about these paraphrased versions. And, you know, good thing I've studied the King James for 28 years. I know I can tell uh, when something's been just destroyed through paraphrasing. But anyway. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Okay, so let's let's analyze this. This is a very important scripture to understand here, okay? These people are telling the Lord that they prophesied in his name, and they cast out devils, and they did wonderful work. So it's possible for people, just like Deuteronomy chapter 13 reveals, to prophesy correctly. It's possible for them to. Okay? It's possible to, for them to, to prophesy. And I've learned prophecy by, by, by different prophecy teachers. As they don't teach everything wrong. They don't teach everything wrong. And I've learned from them. It says, have we not prophesied in thy name? So these individuals prophesied in his name. They cast out demons, and they did many wonderful works. So you would think, oh, these people are going to be great in the kingdom, or they, they will be in the kingdom of God, right? Well, doesn't say that, verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So just because you prophesy doesn't mean that you are going to be acceptable in Yah's eyes or God's eyes. And then in the complete Jewish Bible version, I like this. It says, Then I would tell them to their faces, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness or Torahlessness. That's another good translation for that, that. These people, they focus on too much on casting out demons and doing miracles and, and prophesying, but they didn't focus on keeping the law, the weightier matters of the law, mercy, justice and trust they didn't focus on that you don't want to be in that situation so continue to read this in the complete jewish bible version for in verse 24 so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man or woman who built his house on bedrock the rain fell well i guess this would be a man <laughs> Because a woman, you know, picking up stuff and all this, building, building a home. I'm sure a woman can help a man, but the man does all the heavy work, you know. Anyway, verse 25, the rain fell, the rivers flooded, the winds blew and beat against the house, but it didn't collapse because its foundation was on a rock. That rock, of course, is symbolic for Yeshua. So that's the way to understand prophecies, ladies and gentlemen. The foundation is Yeshua. The whole Bible's about Yeshua, folks, from the Tanakh to the Apostolic Scriptures. And what what people need to understand, the the New Testament, I, I think most people that are in these Protestant churches, Roman, well, I don't know about the Roman Catholic, they don't even have a Bible, basically. They don't even focus. They do, but they don't focus on it. But I know Protestants believe that the New Testament is Scripture. They have a problem with I guess the Old Testament being scripture, <laughs> I don't know. But the but the point of the matter is that Tanakh and the apostolic writings are all the Torah of God, is the written instructions of God. I know some people may be shocked by me saying that, but it's, uh, it can be proven 
by analyzing Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. I'm going to do a future Bible study on that, helping you understand what the Torah is. The Torah, is, Torah means the instructions of Yah. The instructions of Yah did not end in the Tanakh. It was continued on uh, in the apostolic scriptures. There was more information that had to be revealed to help us to better understand the Tanakh. And, of course, that information was revealed through the Messiah when he said he came to fulfill the Torah. He came to give us better understanding on how to understand what was already written, which was the Torah. So I'm going to try to explain that. I will explain that in the future broadcast because that's very important um, for us to understand that all the, the scriptures, what is in the Old and New Testament, is, is important for us to to take pay attention to and to take seriously. And you really can't understand Yah totally without taking both the Tanakh and the Apostolic Scriptures seriously. So anyway, um, getting back to, uh, where was I at here? Oh, Matthew 7, verse 23. Then I will tell them to their faces, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right, and verse 26. So we understand that the foundation is Yeshua. He is the word of God. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a stupid man <laughs> who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the rivers flooded, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was horrendous. Verse 28. When Yeshua had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at the way he taught, for he was not instructing them like their Torah teachers, but as one who had authority himself. In the end times, this is prophetic in a way, because in the end times you have you have Torah teachers and ministers proclaiming the preach the truth, but out of those you have a few that are actually preaching the truth. And and these Torah teachers are very careful about what they say, and they're willing to be corrected, and they're very humble. But you you have a lot of other Torah teachers that don't want to be corrected, that think they have all the truth, and think they the purpose of ministry is to make money and and to rule over you. So that that's unfortunate, but that's what the scriptures reveal. Luke chapter ten. So what's the picture of ministry? You know, Yeshua gave us an example of what ministry should be like. I'm just going to summarize it here. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, um, verse 1 to 9. After this, the Lord appointed 70 other... Well, let me read this in the English Standard Version here. Uh, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Verse 2. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And that's true. The laborers are still few today. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So we are like our Messiah. We are also lambs in the midst of wolves. Verse 4. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and, and greet no one on the road. Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace, be into this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Verse 7, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking 
what they provide for the labor deserves is wages, which means that people should support Torah teachers and, and give them what they need to survive. Do not go from house to house, verse 8. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God come near to you. That's what we should be focusing on, folks, healing people. Healing people, not you know physically and spiritually. That's what the, the gospel is all about, healing people. We, we need to change, repent, the kingdom of God is coming. That means everybody got some issues, and we need to help one another overcome these issues. So that's a preview of what ministry should be all about. And remember, it's two by two. It shouldn't be people should not have a ministry where it's just one dominant person. Even Moses in Numbers said, hey, I wish every, all of the Lord's people were prophets. <laughs> he, didn't want, he didn't want to rule over people. He was a very humble man. He was the most humble man on the earth. So, you know, ministry is not about ruling over people and, and, and being great over them. It's not about that. Uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. It's about serving. The greatest The greatest will be, if you want to be the greatest, be the greatest servant. <laughs> Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, not just to Israel, to everyone. That's the commission, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized, doesn't mean we preach the gospel to ants, okay? This The whole creation meaning all of mankind. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved or immersed is saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Pretty simple. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe or should accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. So, yes, um, that ability, if you have it, you should have it if uh, God meant for you to have it, to speak miraculously in, in tongues. And the way that works is you um, say, for instance, I'm Chinese or I'm, well, actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an American, but we have a Chinese believer, and, and they're talking, and they speak Chinese, but I can hear it. They're speaking, but I can hear them my own language. And yet they're, they're Chinese. And, and when they talk, it's not, I'm just miraculously able to hear what they're saying in my own language. And that's, that's the speaking of tongues that it's talking about. Uh, verse 18, and for more description of that, you can just look at Acts chapter 2 about the manifestation of tongues. Verse 18, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Also, the tongue issue, uh, someone can speak a language that no one understands, but it must be interpreted. So that's that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But anyway, Mark chapter 16, verse 18, they will pick up servants with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's, this is what we need to be focusing more on, not prophetic speculation, folks. Okay, We, we need to focus more on what I just said, uh, healing people, uh, just being able to, to, to help people overcome their problems. That's what we need to be focusing on. 
That's what we need to be focusing on, not, not all these strange doctrines that are coming out of nowhere. And Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 9, it says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. So this is talking about uh, strange teachings that may, may allude to foods, but still to the concept, we shouldn't be led away, uh, carried away by strange teachings. And... and uh, in 1 John 4, verse 1, it says, Blood, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. So that that's something that we, we have to understand. And here's another thing we need to understand, 1 Timothy 6, verse 3, If anyone teaches a different doctrine or teaching and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived of truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And it isn't, folks. It isn't. And First Timothy 4, verse 1, this is a prophecy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. These are people, of course, that are not being uh, sincere, who maliciously are teaching these things, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. In other words, if it's verified by Leviticus chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 14, it's okay to eat whatever food you want to eat. Okay, so we we need to, to be careful about whatever we hear, um, any type of uh, doctrines or strange doctrines or, or whatever. We need to be very careful about that. Ephesians 4, verse 14, that's the purpose of a Torah teacher. Uh, in verse 11 of Ephesians 4, verse 11, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ, until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay? Uh, and that's what's going on, <laughs> especially when it comes to this prophecy stuff. It's just... People are just uh, being deceived. They don't know the Bible, and then they listen to this stuff, and then they don't want to take the time to to to, to verify it. And it does, especially this pro the, a lot of the prophecies. It takes a lot of time and a lot of hours of study to really understand fully these prophecies, folks. And and if you're not willing to sit down and take the time to study it, then I would suggest you you stop focusing on it. Because you're just going to be deceived. You're going to be deceived or you're not going to take the time to study the, the prophecies of Yah. And, and you need to, to pray to him to, to help you understand those prophecies. That's important as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. 
And as people think they can just sit there and just get a teaching from someone and say, oh, that's it, <laughs> I know the truth. No, you, you, you have to verify it, you have to study it. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, and that means all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And for people that doubt that this is not referring to us, it says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So it's referring to us too. Now, to help people really understand that the gospel is for everyone, Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 6. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Again, let me repeat this. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Verse 7, and he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. In Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, Paul was in Greece, and he revealed the following. Verse 29 of Acts chapter 17, Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Verse 30, The times of ignorance God overlooked. So he overlooked all that ignorance before the coming of Messiah. But now he commands all people, and that means all people, Israel, Chinese people, whatever, you know, whoever you are, if you're a living human being that have eyes and a mouth and all the other bodily functions, then he's commanding you and everyone else to repent. Verse 31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So the gospel is for everyone, not just for the house of Israel. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 38. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Do you understand that? You're not, and I like this translation better. Um, let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version here. It says, And anyone who does not take up his execution stake, and that's what it was. He, it was an execution stake that he had, the cross, and follow me is not worthy of me. Verse 39, Whoever finds his own life will lose it. But the person who loses his life for my sake will find it. So, you know, the focus, again, is you're not trying to save your behind. The focus is to sacrifice your behind. That's what the focus should be on. 
Verse 40, whoever receives you is receiving me, and whoever receives me is receiving the one who sent me. Verse 41, anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive the reward a prophet gets. And anyone who receives a Zadok, or a righteous person because he is a Zadok, or Zadok, or Zadok, yeah, I think I'm pronouncing it right, will receive the reward a Zadok gets. Verse 42 of Matthew chapter 10. Indeed, if someone gives just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my Talmud or student, yes, I tell you, he will certainly not lose his reward. So again, uh, he talks about doing something, doing something. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 13. This is a summation of prophecy. And I picked this Olivet Prophecy because it, it really defines what no man knows the day and the hour. That's something that people just don't understand what he said, but the Bible interprets itself. And if we just take the time to study it properly, then we would understand these things. So anyway, let me read this in the English Standard Version of the Bible. And I'm going to start in Mark chapter three, uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, verse 4, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Okay? And Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 says, The sign of your coming in the end of the age. Verse 5 of Mark chapter 13, And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. So there's going to be deception, folks. All over the place. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. Deception, trickery. Verse 6. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. So there's going to be many, not the few, many false teachers. Many false teachers. Verse 7. And when you hear of wars, I just read to you about a rumor of a war, and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. He says not, don't be upset by hearing these things. Don't panic. Don't get paranoid. This must take place, but the end is not yet. In verse 8, that word nation should be translated family or tribes, for family or tribes will rise against family or tribes, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are the beginning of sorrows, as the King James Version, or the beginning of birth pains. You women understand what I'm talking about, don't you? Earth pains. He states that warring and earthquakes, warring all over the place, earthquakes, famines, and pestilence, those are all the beginning of birth pains. These are the first four seals of your Bible. If you turn to, uh, of the, not of your Bible, but Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, uh, he, Yeshua revealed these things. And he revealed the first four seals in that verse, basically. And but I want to look at the 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 uh, the fourth seal here, here, Revelation chapter six, verse eight. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth. So, twenty-five percent of let me my calculator here seven million, there's seven billion people on the earth right now, right? Let's see, times 0.25, okay, 
So 1.7 billion people, 1.75 billion people, it appears, will be wiped out according to this prophecy so far, according to the population. So um, close to 2 billion people will be wiped out um, before the tribulation, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this prophecy is indicating. And that hasn't happened yet. And it says, They were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence. So the fourth, the 1.7 or 2 billion people upon the earth are going to experience killing with the sword, with famine and pestilence by wild beasts of the earth. That's what that prophecy reveals. All right? And... That's what Yeshua revealed. So we need to prepare for the beginning of sorrows, folks. That's what we need to prepare for. And in Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22, beginning of verse 3, it says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. You don't want to do that. And Yeshua, of course, stated that these days are like the days of Noah, and then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, states this. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. But also, in addition to doing this, Noah was preaching. So he was keeping Torah and also preparing. You have to do both. You can't just focus just on saving your behind, and yet you're not trying to obey God. You have to do both. You have to do both. Back to Mark chapter 13. Okay, so we understand that all the beginning of sorrows is going to lead to an estimate of, of the 2 billion people on the earth to be affected by all these catastrophes that are happening as I'm speaking. And they're starting to happen and uh, starting to escalate and get worse and worse and worse as times get worse. Verse 9, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the consuls, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations, and it will, culminating in that angel, preaching the gospel around the world in the Revelation chapter 14. Verse 11 of Mark chapter 13. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. And, and brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. So there's going to be betrayal all over the place. Verse 13. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, verse this is where I want to get to, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And I'm going to also quote Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, to get a clear understanding of this prophecy. It says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. So, for those people who are incorrectly teaching that there will not be a temple, 
uh, you're not teaching properly because this word, this word, uh, place in the original Greek is topos, and it means uh, a location. Okay, it means a space, a home, and uh, that word holy in the original Hebrew is hakis, and it means ceremonially, ceremonially, ceremonially rather, ceremonially consecrated, holy, sacred. So it's a sacred location or place. All right, locality. So it's a holy place, a spot. And I know some people say, well, that just can mean the Temple Mount. Well, I'm, I'm going to prove to you that what he stated here was that there will be a holy place or a temple, ladies and gentlemen. All right? Uh, he stated this plainly, that that's the case. And and we need to, to believe what the Scriptures state, not what we want to. Um, it's a, right here. Actually, the word means... An, as occupied or filled by any person, a thing, a spot, space, or room. Now, another scripture that proves this point that I'm trying to make here about this is Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse four. It says, actually, verse three: Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who oppose and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God. That word sits means sit, to sit down. Okay, so he's sitting in a structure, showing himself that he is God. So that's what Yeshua was talking about. Now, he told us to refer back to the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So, to figure this prophecy out, to understand what he was talking about, you have to go back to the book of Daniel. And I don't have time to do that. I'm just doing a study on the 70-week prophecy in the book of Daniel again, and I, in the future, will give a Bible study on it. But I'm going to say right now for you guys to do your independent study of it is to do what Christ said. When you speak, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, so that means we have to go to the book of Daniel and look at all the places where it talks about the abomination of desolation to understand what it's talking about. And Deuteronomy, not Deuteronomy, but Daniel chapter 8 talks about the sanctuary being cleansed. So obviously there's going to be a temple built that's going to be in, uh, have something to do with the abomination of desolation. Also, uh, the book of Maccabees reveals what happened historically that caused the creation of Hanukkah, and Antiochus Epiphanes, he sacrificed a pig on the altar, and also during the time that he did this, there was a built temple. So obviously Yeshua is referring us back to that event. When you when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and another way of saying is that when you see the abomination of desolation that was done by Antiochus Epiphanes, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Okay, so you have to study that historical event. Read the first chapter of Maccabees, or you can read the whole book if you want. It helps you understand what the abomination of desolation is. And it involved a built temple, folks. It involved a built temple. You have people going around preaching incorrectly again that there's not going to be a rebuilt temple. Unless 
there's mistranslations, the Bible indicate that there is a rebuilt temple. All right, so who are we going to believe, the, the scriptures or ourselves? And then in verse 16, let them who which be in Judea flee into the mountains, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is on the field, in the field, return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that get suck in those days. And verse 20, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. So, uh, for lack of time here, I wanted to. I'm going to go ahead and skip down here. Maybe I'll go over this again next week in detail. The Olivet prophecies, but anyway, uh, he states. Uh, I'm going to go over that here in a minute. But in verse 42 of uh, Matthew chapter 24, I wanted to go over here. Actually, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 13. I want to go over this when he explains no man knows the day or the hour. Okay, Mark chapter uh, 13. Here we go. Okay, Mark 13, verse 32. But at that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son nor the Father. Verse 33 of Mark chapter 13. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Verse 34. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Remember, servants, they're doing something. And to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. So while you're watching, you work. Okay. You have to watch and work. Verse 35, and work on yourselves and your spiritual conditions as well as serving people. Verse 35, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house comes, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. So we're not going to know the, the, the hour of his coming. Verse 36, that not coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say unto you all, watch. So I hope you understand how to watch, folks. It's, you're watching your spiritual condition, you're, you're obeying Torah, and, you, and you're looking at the events that I, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to have time to really go over today, unfortunately, but uh, uh, you have to look at those things as well. So, and he's talking about, and if you just read this whole chapter, he's talking about the day of his coming. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about uh, time of uh, the new heavens and the new earth or uh, the events that's going to lead to that and so forth. He's talking about the time of his coming, his second coming. Okay, and I wanted to go over, so much to go over, so little time to do it in, but uh, how much time do I have left here? Ten minutes, all right. Um, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I just wanted to to go over the focus of Yeshua's ministry and anyone who's in ministry or anyone who's a believer who wants to follow him, you should uh, you should be inspired to do the same. Luke 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind. Healing. Healing. 
Reconciliation. That's what ministry should be about. Uh, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's an allusion to the uh, the jubilee that is um, revealed in Leviticus chapter 25, and there's a verse that's on our liberty bell in Philadelphia. And and uh, the preached acceptable year of the Lord, which is also the jubilee, is a year of release of, of uh, releasing debt, uh, relieving people. So ministry should be about relieving people, not about prophecy. And see, the interesting thing about this is that he did not quote the other part to the scripture, which says the days of vengeance, because he. That was not the focus of the ministry. It's this focus totally on prophecy, as many ministries, unfortunately, do, or quite a few of them anyway, do. Uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, To proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that's the jubilee, and the day of vengeance of our God. So he put that last. <laughs> One of the last things. It, it, it was, wasn't before trying to heal people and 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 to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prisons, and it wasn't before all the myth, uh, all the righteous works. It was last, and that's what I, I hope you recognize there. The priority. Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, starting in verse thirty-four. It says, and when he had called the people with him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So you have to deny yourself, folks. This life is a life of sacrifice. It's not about saving your behind. Uh, verse 35, for whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So that's how you save yourself, folks. <laughs> you save yourself by, it says right here, but whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So you have to sacrifice your life for the gospel, and that's how you guarantee saving your life. Not just focusing on storing up food and guns and, and so forth and forgetting about teaching the gospel or living by the gospel and, and, and obeying the Torah. And verse 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So, yeah, what profit is he? We just, you have a business, you're focusing on making money, making money, making money, making money, and that's all you focus on. Or, you know, prophecy. Verse 37, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38, whatsoever therefore shall be ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, this is a prophecy because it's certainly referring to this adulterous and sinful generation as well, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So that's another warning. Now, got six minutes left here. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 33, I wanted to read. I wanted to focus on Lot's wife. Uh, probably, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to focus on what the sins of Sodom is, and I'm going to talk about Lot's wife next week, okay, because I don't have that much time left. So I'm going to talk about Lot's wife next week, and we all have to be careful not to act like Lot's wife, folks. 
So as a preview to that Bible study next week about Lot's wife, let's look at the sins of Sodom in closing today. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Starting in verse 49. It says, your system, I'm reading this an easy, easy to read version of the Bible. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Your sister Sodom and her daughters were proud. They had too much to eat and too much time on their hands, and they did not help poor, helpless people. Sodom and her daughters became too proud and began to do terrible things in front of me, so I punished them. So that, this is the sins of Sodom, folks. The sins of Sodom are the following, and I sum them up here. Failure to adequately help and care for the poor. Having pride, eating too much, an abundance of laziness. Uh, sexual perversion. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3 to 10 reveals that. Ezekiel or actually, I already talked about that, but uh, Isaiah 1, verse 3, and then 10, reveals that the house of Israel, which includes the United States, are full of these sins. The United States is full of, we have almost 50 million people on food stamps right now. There's over 100 million people right now that don't have any jobs. So we have failed to adequately help and care for the poor. We have so much pride, it's, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. Uh, we we eat too much. We're very fat, as the scriptures reveal. We're, we're called Jezreel, and we wax fat. Uh, we have an abundance of laziness in this country and, and the other tribes. This applies to all the other tribes, too. But United States, we have the most wealth at this time of all the tribes. So we have an overabundance of all these things, uh, failure to adequately help and care for the poor. We have pride. We have a lot of, we, there's a lot of people in this country that eat too much. It's abundance of laziness. It's, it's a bunch of sexual perversion. We, we're we one of the leaders of the world in pornography. We, As I'm speaking right now, they're filming pornographic movies in Hollywood, California, and, and in other parts of the country. Uh, it, it's just we are definitely uh, inheriting the sins of Sodom. And, and uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3 to 10 is a prophecy to say that we do. Our leaders are full of it. And for Obama to influence uh, the Supreme Court to consider oop, I have somebody here that would like to speak to me uh, you're on the air hello how are you okay how are you I am well thank you so um, would you like to uh, comment or make a suggestion or no no I was just listening and um uh... Just getting in on what you were talking about, so no, you go right ahead. Oh, okay. Hey, no problem. Okay, for those who just jumped on, you can actually listen to this in the archives after I'm done. But I just summarized the sins of Sodom. And to lead into the Bible study that I'm going to give next week on remembering Lot's life, Lot's wife, rather. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. Verse 26, he stated that um, when the Son of Man comes again, it would be the same as it was when Noah lived. I'm reading this in the English Revised Version. 
uh, not the English Revised Version, the easy-to-read version of the Bible. Verse 27, people were eating, drinking, and getting married, even on the day when Noah entered the boat. Then the flood came and killed them all. In verse 28, it will be the same as during the time of Lot, when God destroyed Sodom. Okay, this is significant because he's tying in the second coming with the days of Lot. It will be the same as during the time of Lot when God destroyed Sodom. These people were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building houses for themselves. And what they were also doing, and what they are doing today, is the following sins. As I listed in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 to 50, let's go over them again. Failure to adequately help and care for the poor, pride, eating too much, abundance of laziness, sexual perversion. The United States is full of these sins, but these sins are also around the other are uh, prevalent in all the other tribes and around the world. You can find these elements in almost every nation around the world. I would say every nation, really. So that's the state of the world, folks, at this time. And we have to understand that these are the end times based on that and that this country is headed toward great abomination. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I will end with that, <laughs> and may God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you next week, and I'm going to talk about remembering Lot's wife as Yeshua reminds us, or Jesus reminds us to remember Lot's wife. I'm going to go into that and go into further detail on what that means. Take care, peace, shalom. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.